Now, I've been asked to preach at a time when we've got a bit of a hiatus, we've got a bit of a gap between our preaching um, series. We've just finished the verse for the year, even though we're going to be focusing on that, obviously, throughout the year. But we've finished the preach on power and love and self-discipline, self-control. And in a couple of weeks' time, we're going into a new preaching series, and Ed will be launching that, so I don't want to say too much about that this morning. But I thought, okay, I've got standalone session here. What am I going to do? Lord, what should I do? And the Lord was good to me. And he reminded me that although I'm not somebody who strictly observes the Christian calendar, every single thing that happens, that actually it's now the Sunday before Lent. And it would be a really good time to focus us on the practice of Lent. So that's what we're going to be doing this morning. And it's an interesting one, isn't it? Lent, because as a free church, we don't always sort of celebrate it, I don't think. How many people celebrate Lent? How many people observe the practices of Lent in this room? A few of you. And sometimes it might be we do it one year, we don't do it the next. We're not religious about it, are we? But we're going to really focus ourselves on celebrating Lent, hopefully together this year. Now, I also realised that Lent starts this week on Ash Wednesday, and it's Friday the 14th of February. So it's a bit of a funny coincidence because it coincides obviously with Valentine's Day. And I was thinking actually, traditionally, we do think of Lent as a time, don't we, when it's all a bit sombre, it's a bit bleak, there's a lot of self-control, maybe self-denial. And then we think about Valentine's Day coming on Ash Wednesday, and it's all balloons, isn't it? Look at our love balloons up there. It's a bit of frivolity. It's love hearts. It's sending slushy cards. It's sending funny cards. It's, it's spoiling those that we love, maybe going out for a slap-up meal. It's almost like the opposite of Lent, in a way, isn't it? But it isn't. You could say that there's a huge amount of overlap between the traditional practices of Lent and the secular, if you like, even though it's got some sort of, you know, it's St. Valentine, but we very much use it as a secular celebration of Valentine's Day. And actually, when I looked at this, I saw that the Church of England is capitalising on that fact this year. So, obviously, they were picking up on what I was thinking, and they put something on their website. And on their website, it says this, Be heart ready for Lent in 2018. It says this, This year, there is a very special day on February the 14th. It's special because it is Valentine's Day, and millions of cards and gifts will be shared. But it's special in the church because it is Ash Wednesday, and that marks the beginning of the six weeks called Lent. Lent is a time when Christians take time to try and live God's way, the way that Jesus showed us. At the end of Lent comes Good Friday, when we remember the big love of God on the cross where Jesus died. Then comes Easter Day, when we celebrate that love brings life and joy to the world. So really, there is a lot of overlap, isn't there? It's all about love. It's all about God's love. And that's a good place for us to start, whether we've celebrated Lent or observed Lent before or not. And I really want to ask, I'm just going to pause and pray, because I want to ask the Lord to get us heart ready as a church together, and I hope you choose to do that with me. So Father, I just want to ask that as we go ahead this morning, that you just highlight those areas in our hearts that may need softening, that may need strengthening. Lord, I ask for each one of us that you top us up with the love that you have. 
I ask, Lord, for those that are here this morning that don't actually know your love, that can't really resonate with what I've already said. Lord, I ask for a touch from you and an invitation to share in that love. Lord, whatever you do with us this morning and in the coming season, I just ask that you will fill and you will expand our hearts so that we can grow and flourish and really reach out with that love to others. Do that for each one of us this morning, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, I do really want this morning to be a practical morning in many ways. I want to look how we're going to go about approaching Lent this year, and it's going to be different for each one of us, isn't it? But even though it might be different and we might choose to do different things, I think there will be a common purpose, if you like, and it is to refocus us on Jesus. It always is, isn't it? And it's maybe about establishing for the very first time or re-establishing some good spiritual habits. And about disciplining ourselves. I know you talked a lot about that last week. I wasn't actually here last week, but Aid was talking about self-control and self-discipline. And that's something that we need to remind ourselves. It's about turning from those things that we know aren't really good for us and that may be detrimental to our walk with Jesus, that may be harming us and even harming others. Now, I've talked a little bit about Lent, and when I did ask you to raise your hands if you observe Lent, only a few hands went up. So I wonder, I had this talk with Jean recently, actually, who's been a Christian for so many years, but when I asked you to do a meditation recently on Lent for our mission community, we had to talk what it, about what it really meant to us, didn't we? It was like we don't always focus on that. So I want to ask you as a church, just to give me maybe a one-word, one-line answer about what Lent is and what it means to you. So I should have a microphone around here somewhere. Anyone want to volunteer? Simon. Uh, praying, fasting and giving. Praying, fasting and giving. Great answer. And you... Yeah, it's the RE teacher. And you do that every year. I've got it on the PowerPoint. <laughs> That's not quite what I'm asking. <laughs> Anyone else? Phil. Preparation. Preparation. Julie. Refocusing on the Lord. Refocusing on the Lord. Did I see a hand go up over here? No? You're really spiritual lot. I think of pancakes. <laughs> but there you go. It's great. And I also think of giving up stuff. <coughs> what I could give up. And I don't do it every year, but sometimes I do think, oh, what could I give up? For those who are not particularly familiar with Lent at all, maybe you are here for the very first time, maybe you're new to the faith, I just want to give you a couple of definitions. It wouldn't be a preacher of mine if I didn't give you a dictionary definition. <laughs> so here we go. Oxford English Dictionary. In the Christian church, Lent is the period preceding Easter which is devoted to fasting, abstinence and penitence in commemoration of Christ's fasting in the wilderness. In the Western Church, it runs from Ash Wednesday to Holy Saturday, and so includes 40 weekdays. And then on the BBC website, in their religion section, it says this, Lent is the period of 40 days which comes before Easter in the Christian calendar. Beginning on Ash Wednesday, Lent is a season of reflection and preparation before the celebrations of Easter. 
By observing the 40 days of Lent, Christians replicate Jesus Christ's sacrifice and withdrawal into the desert for 40 days. Lent is marked by fasting, both from food and festivities. Okay, so there you go. It's a really special time, should we choose to observe it. It does sound a bit bleak, doesn't it, from those definitions. It sounds a little bit sackcloth and ashes. And I just want to praise God that actually it doesn't have to be like that. We have freedom in him, don't we? We know that we've got freedom. And we know that whatever we choose to do for the Lord to discipline ourselves, we're going to grow and we're going to flourish. And it can be a really positive time. I think that although many of us don't choose to observe these particular times in the Christian calendar, it's quite a good practice because it can spur us on. It can, as Judy was saying, it can refocus us and it can deepen our trust in Jesus. And so we're going to look at that a little bit together this morning. And as I said, I want to suggest it's not a requirement because we don't do that here. We don't require you to observe these practices. But I'm going to suggest that we might like to observe Lent together, even if for some of us it's the very first time. But rather than looking at it as a real chore, <coughs> that the next sort of few weeks are going to be really hard and we're going to have to grit our teeth and sort of put ash crosses on our head and do all that sort of thing, that we actually do see it as an opportunity. That we do think, I'm going to use this time to really flourish. I'm going to use this time to deepen my faith and dig deeper. It might be that by cutting out some things, you're carving out more time for the Lord and you're carving out a space, a spacious place where you can just rest and be with him and soak in his presence and worship more. So it could be a really positive time in so many ways. Really, it's all about surrendering, isn't it, and sharing more of life with God. How does that sound? Anyone up for it? Yeah. Good. Okay, now before we go into the practical, I want us to look together at a passage from 1 John 1, which I want us to hold on to together if we're going to do this. Now, it's not really a Lent passage. It hasn't got anything to do with Jesus fasting in the wilderness, but it's one that I feel very much is a now word for us. Okay? And um, it's definitely a now word for me. Okay, so on, in the Church Bibles, it's on page 1225, most of your Church Bibles anyway. And actually, you've got the NIV, I think I'm going to read it from the NLT and from the message, but you can still follow it. Okay. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. In the message it says this, 
This, in essence, is the message we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light, pure light. There's not a trace of darkness in him. If we claim that we experience a shared life with him and continue to stumble around in the dark, we're obviously lying through our teeth. We're not living what we claim. But if we walk in light, God himself being the light, we also experience a shared life with one another as the sacrificed blood of Jesus, God's Son, purges all our sin. If we claim that we're free of sin, we're only fooling ourselves. A claim like that is errant nonsense. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, make a clean breast of them, he won't let us down, he'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. If we claim that we've never sinned, we out and out contradict God, make a liar out of him a claim that only shows off our ignorance of God. And I want to focus us really on this passage because I think that's what we need to be aiming for. We need to be aiming for sharing more of our life with God and recognising that we still have those areas, I still have those areas, where I stumble, where sin creeps in, sometimes in ways that really are detrimental to me and to others. It's about acknowledging that we're human. We've all got faults and fears and failings and we all make mistakes and we trip up and we sin, quite simply. But in that, knowing that we can celebrate that we are saved. We are saved by grace. You know, as much as we're assured of our salvation, those of us that know Jesus, we also have to realise that it really is incumbent on each one of us to work on our characters to work on those things that we know are the niggly sins sometimes that we just let go. We need to discipline ourselves to walk much more in the light and less in the dark. Or when we find ourselves going down that path that is a little bit dark, to quickly turn around and walk in the light. We need to practice that self-control to develop our good habits and get rid of the bad ones. Keep working on it. Keep working on it. You know, in a sense, salvation is so simple, and I rejoice in that every day. Because when Jesus died for me, for you, he made us perfect, didn't he, in his eyes. And he is continually transforming us. I love this verse from Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 14. For by the one offering, Jesus has perfected forever and completely cleansed those who are being sanctified, bringing each believer, bringing you and me, to spiritual completion and maturity. I'm going to read that again. For by that one offering, Jesus has perfected forever and completely cleansed me and you. We're being sacrificed. He is bringing each one of us to spiritual completion and maturity. But that doesn't mean that we can be static or passive or lazy in our faith. And sometimes I find myself <coughs> resting on that grace and that salvation and being a bit static and a bit passive and a bit lazy. There's always an expectation that we should become more like the one who saved us, more like our saviour. And we have to work at it at times. And so, whilst I've said I want us to choose Lent as a really positive experience, what I don't mean is there's not going to be cost. And there might not be that choosing our pain. Aid spoke about that last week, didn't he? You need to choose your pain if you want to grow. You need to discard something or pick up something that might be a bit costly to you. 
We can't be let off the hook because we want to positively celebrate Lent. Okay, let's have a think about what we could practically do. I want you to have a think about it this morning. It may be that even last week, as Aid was talking about self-control, that the Lord was speaking to you then. And I know last week he had a very, very full Sunday morning and there wasn't a lot of time for prayer ministry at the end. So I want to leave plenty of time for that today. And maybe the Lord has been talking to you in the week. Maybe he's going to talk to you today. I want us to be able to pray one with another later on and really press into those things that we can pick up or discard. So you need to ask, each one of us needs to ask, Lord, what do you want to do with me right now? It might be something quite big. It might be something small but a bit niggly. It might be something that you recognise has become a bit of a crutch in your life. Or an escape route. Or even an overindulgence. What is it that we could fast or deny ourselves this Lent? It might just be that small thing, and especially if you're just starting out and doing this on fasting. Even just that one degree shift, making <coughs> that little thing will make a huge difference in your relationship with the Lord. Now, I'm standing up here talking about fasting, and I just want to confess to you, I'm rubbish at it. Okay? And I'm going to give you an example. And um, you'll realise how bad I am at fasting. Um, but I'm getting better. I am getting better. And it does depend, as I'll say in a bit, on my motivation and why I'm doing it. <coughs> and often my motivation in the past has been sometimes that I just want to see if I can do it. I want to maybe kick a bit of a bad habit, which is no bad thing. Lose a few pounds, whatever. Those sort of things. They tend to be my motivation. And when that's my motivation, I'm doomed to failure, pretty much. Now... A few, it's probably a few years ago, is he now, wasn't it, when we went on holiday to Cornwall, and it was during February half term, and I'd taken my kids and my mum, and we'd, we'd gone to, we were staying in a nice caravan park down there, and it coincided with Lent, and Izzy and I decided that we were going to give up something for Lent, not for any spiritual reason, I hasten to add, we just thought we'd see if we could do it. Now, those of you who know Izzy know she's quite competitive, and I can be quite competitive too, but she's got greater willpower than me. So she decided that what she'd do is she'd give up crisps, because she's a bit of a crispaholic. So she was going to give up crisps for Lent, okay? So I said, okay, I love chocolate, I've got much more of a sweet tooth, I'll give up chocolate, Izzy. Everything was fine, a couple of days in, yeah, it was alright, you know, didn't miss it too much, it was okay. It's probably third or fourth day in. It wasn't the first day. It wasn't, it was probably about the third or fourth day in. No, anyway, we'll talk about that later. I'm, I'm not that bad, and it was an accident. I'm going to tell you what happened. Basically, basically, we'd gone out to dinner in the evening, had a nice meal, and then it was time for pudding. And I thought, well, I won't have a pudding. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm full anyway. That's fine. Mum and I ordered a coffee, and the kids all had um, ice cream, I think. And Izzy had a friend with her there as well, and they'd ordered... One of these enormous, you know, like those chocolate sundae things that you share like that. And it was, honestly, I'm not joking, it was about that big. And it was stuffed full of ice cream, all different types of ice cream. And then they'd added sort of sauce over it and sprinkles and Maltesers and all things like that. It looked really sickly. Anyway, so I wasn't missing chocolate or anything. Chatting away to my mum, cup of coffee, just chatting away. Reached over, Malteser, straight in my mouth. Didn't think about it at all. If you were here last week, you will know that A told you the story of the packed lunches where he spat out 
whatever he put in his mouth by mistake when he was fasting. That's where Ed and I are quite different. <laughs> I realised part way through, and I think Izzy and Maya said, Mum, you've got a Malteser, or whatever. Or Izzy said, Mum, you've got a Malteser. And I thought, hmm, yeah, crunched it down. Slowed <laughs> it around, nice, with a bit of coffee. Really enjoyed it. But then Izzy says, it's okay, Mum, you know, that was a mistake. It's just a slip-up, it's one Malteser. My response was, oh, no, I've done it now. No, might as well give up. Absolutely fine. So I did. That was it. The rest of them ate as much chocolate as I wanted. So, what I'm trying to say is, when I'm doing it from that motivation, I am useless. I'm rubbish. But if I'm fasting because I feel I need to get closer to the Lord, or I want to get closer to the Lord in some way, I'm a lot better at it, I have to say. I'm not perfect, but I'm better. And I have to, I know I have to, anything like that, involve God so much in the process, because otherwise, if I'm on my own, I can't do it. And for me, and for many, fasting isn't just about food, is it? And I know that there are some people, you can't do a complete food fast, it wouldn't be wise for medical reasons, it wouldn't be the thing that you should be choosing to do, especially a complete one. But there's so many other things that we can choose to fast. And Lent is such a good opportunity to look at that creatively. So maybe have a think this morning, if you don't fancy the food fast or you can't do the food fast, what can I do? What appetite do I have that maybe never seems to be sated? What is it that's taking a bit of a hold over me at the moment and causing me maybe to stumble or just feel not quite right or not quite in God's presence? There's so many examples. It may be, um, it may be something like social media or screen time. It may be something as simple as needing affirmation the whole time. Looking to other places, not just the Lord for that. It may be we're a bit of a thrill seeker and we've always got to go on to the next big thing and we can't rest, we can't relax. It may be gossip. We may find we're becoming a little bit loose with our tongues. It may be moaning. Maybe we've got into a habit of moaning and groaning about stuff. Always looking at the negative rather than positive. I want to look at a couple of examples that I feel the Lord is saying to us this morning, all of us really, um, but it might be for some more than others, about how we could go about doing this. And the first one I want to look at is gossip. Not because I think we're a body of gossipers, we're not. But how many of us, hand on heart, can say, do you know what, I never gossip, I never have a problem with that. You might be able to, you might be able to say, actually I've really disciplined myself, I do not gossip. I never overshare, I never share for prayer when actually I've not been asked to share for prayer. It might be, and for many of us, we have to be wonderfully tight-lipped in our work, in the places that we interact with people in church. We might be really, really tight-lipped about the things that are so confidential and personal to people, and we might be really good at that. But there might be other occasions and other times when we've just let something slip, or we've just thought, well, that's not a big issue, and that person won't mind me saying. And actually, we haven't got permission to do that. Sometimes we think, well, it's not a big deal to me, but it might be a big deal to that person. And it might be that by sharing in that way, that we've hurt someone, or we've started a fire because it's sort of gathered momentum. So it might be that for some of us, we think, what I'm going to do this, Len, it's only by the tongue. I'm going to refrain from actually letting words come out of my mouth that don't need to. 
This is what Jesus said to the crowd in Matthew 15. Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. So it's a different sort of fast, isn't it? It's not about what goes in, it's about what comes out. Just think about how my character, your character might develop if this Lent we really practice that. I think it would soften our hearts towards others in some ways if we disciplined our tongues during Lent. If each time we caught ourselves before we said that thing that was unnecessary or maybe a little bit unkind or a bit moany or a bit dismissive about someone. Whenever I'm feeling like this, I try and remind myself of those strong words in James 3. And they are strong, so I'm going to read them to you now. James 3, 4 to 6. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pits of hell. Okay, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? But that is a good place to start when we want to remind ourselves how important it is to discipline ourselves in that area with our tongues. I'm going to ask John to come up, because as I was thinking about doing Lent a couple of weeks ago, I'd already asked Jean to bring a meditation to our mission community. And we had a little bit of a talk, you had a bit of a word, didn't you? And it really was fitting in with what was, well, what the Lord was laying on my heart as well. Years ago, as a young Christian, um, God gave me a picture. I saw somebody with a sword in its hand, slashing, slashing at people. And then, the picture changed to a surgeon with a scalpel in his hand. And I realised that both the sword and the scalpel were very, very sharp. And then God said um, to me that a doctor hurts someone, but, but when, when a doctor cuts cuts you, it's to heal you. And he said, that's, that's what, what comes out of your mouth. The words you say either slash people or they heal people and encourage people. Thank you, Jean. I think that's a really good image, isn't it? The words that come out of our mouth can actually destroy people or they can be of comfort and healing. So maybe you might like to think about that. Maybe that may be one thing. There'll be different things that are said for different people. I'm going to look at one more example, and um, it's because I'm going to try and have a go at this one as well. Um, <laughs> Screen-based activity in the cyber age. How many of us find that we get a little bit addicted to checking our phones, looking at Facebook, all those sort of things? Don't worry, you don't have to confess. It was a rhetorical question. <laughs> I'm going to give you an example um, from a guy called Dave Winter who was writing in Christianity um, magazine last year and it was after Lent and he was saying that he gave up 
Facebook, Twitter, and all that sort of stuff. I have to say, I'm not really into all of that, but you know, we can all, we've all got our degrees, haven't we? He was into a lot of social media. And um, he's a dad, he's a youngish dad of a few children, and this is what he wrote. He says, okay, so I like to tweet and post on Facebook, as well as put my photos on Instagram. Although I wouldn't go as far as saying I'm an addict, I do pick up my phone a lot and find myself distracted throughout the day, checking to see what people are saying. So when Lent came up, why wouldn't I choose to leave social media behind? It'd be far harder than chocolate, for sure. I'm not sure about that, but anyway. Once the habitual routine of reaching for my phone every 10 minutes had been broken, that took about three days, I reckon, I found the whole experience a very positive one. Not only did I have more time for conversation with people, including my wife, it was also noticed by my children, noticeably, notably Harrison, who at five, told me that I was listening more with my eyes now. Which is quite, yeah, it's quite something, isn't it? I also had to explain to my new workplace, which I joined in the new year, that I was unable to post work updates and adverts. It allowed the door to be open to explain Lent, the importance of my faith, and even say the J word. It's something they were happy to support me in. Forty days later, I found myself back in the cyber world, but it's definitely <coughs> at a reduced capacity, and I am more mindful of the time I spend on there. He goes on to say, thinking of, thinking of giving social media up for Lent, I'd recommend it to all of you. Sometimes you've got to move your eyes up from your phone screen to the horizon, as much as we look towards the skies, in order to experience the Lord's presence in your life. And I think that is quite a word for all of us, isn't it? I mean, I don't do loads of social media or whatever, but sometimes I do realise that my phone has become a bit of an extension of my hand during the day, where I'm totally checking things and, and that. And I also find that, I don't know about you, but how many people now check the time on a clock in the morning? when they wake up, or do you check your phone? Some of you clock, some of you just, I've got a clock in my bedroom, and I, so I look at the phone. But then what I find I do is I think, right, okay, it's whatever time it is. Oh, there's a couple of messages there. I'll just have a look at my messages. Oh, and somebody sent me a WhatsApp. I'll just have a look at that. I might as well check my emails while I'm here. See what's going on in the world. I'll have a quick look at the BBC News website. I'll go on then, I'll have a quick look at Facebook, see what's on there. Before I know it, 20 minutes have gone. And that's 20 minutes out of my day, and now I've got to really rush and get up, and it's, it's ridiculous. And so for me, I think, you know, I need to reclaim that time. I need to break that habit. I need to buy a clock. <laughs> you know, that is a simple solution, isn't it? And then I won't be tempted to do that. And I could actually think, you know, I've got that 20 minutes. I seem to manage to still get to work on time, even though I've done that for 20 minutes in the morning. Could I do that 20 minutes? I could just maybe close my eyes, try not to go back to sleep, close my eyes and invite the Lord more into my day. I could maybe use my iPad and look at my Bible app, which I normally do in the evening. I could do that. There's all sorts of things that I could do to reclaim that time. And it may be for some of you, you don't do that in the morning, but you might do it at night and then you find you've gone to bed at one o'clock in the morning because you're watching something on Netflix. So it's all sorts of things that you know what the Lord will be saying to you and you'll be able to do it. And it doesn't have to be a huge big deal, I think. Like Kate was saying, choose your pain, find out what it is. There's no point actually setting yourself a massively unrealistic Herculean task, is there? 
you might not be able to think, right, I'm going to do without my phone for 40 days because you need it for work or you need it for childcare or whatever. As tempting as it might be quite nice to get rid of your phone for 40 days, you can't. But you could do those things like not checking it in the morning, not checking it in the evening, when you've got your kids with you or whatever, you know, not having it around for a time so that you can be more present with them. And certainly not, as I do sometimes, checking it in the middle of a quiet time. You know? That's not great at self-discipline, is it? I think freeing time in whatever way we choose to do it, we can do it with a few small changes. And just think how much calmer we'd be, how much less here, there and everywhere and wired we'd be if we just spent that time relaxing in God's presence, just clearing our minds and maybe even listening to what he might be saying. So maybe you'll join me in that. Okay. I'm going to be really disciplined and wrap up. Okay, so I think this Lent, yeah, let's opt to challenge a habit or something that is really difficult for us. It might be addiction <coughs> to sport, I don't know. It might be, indeed, food-based in some way that you're sort of almost self-medicating with food, with like eating for comfort and stress and things like that. It might be you ask the Lord to help you in that area. It might be that need for a, a glass of wine that has crept in rather than just having one at the weekend, whatever it is. All sorts of things. Ask the Lord this morning. But I do want to finish with a note of caution because as I've got up here and said all of that, what I don't want is that next week you all arrive on third Sunday, which is the all-ages family service, looking really glum. <laughs> And looking a bit sad, and looking like who is doing the best fast? Okay, who's really going for it? So I'm going to give you these words from Matthew 6. Jesus says this: Whenever you are fasting, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they put on a sad and dismal face, like actors discolouring their faces with ashes or dirt, so that their fasting may be seen by men. I assure you, and most solemnly say to you, they already have their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, as you normally would, to groom your hair and wash your face. I can't resist the message. When you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normal outwardly. Right, Tottenham United Free. Shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you are doing. He will reward you well. So I expect to see you all really well groomed next week. <laughs> but on a more serious note, let's choose, shall we, to make time this Lent to reflect spiritually dig our spiritual roots down a bit deeper, discipline ourselves, take control over those habits that are affecting us and affecting others, and develop some new, really godly practices together. And I think when we do that, when we tune out some of the distraction and some of the bad things, we'll find that that freedom that we've got in Christ will be even more freeing for us, and it will free up areas that we don't even know freeing. So that's what I want to encourage us all to do.